Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. That over there, you can't see him, but trust me, is Matt Harmon. And that way over there is Dalton Del Don. Gentlemen, it's the second week of the new year and there have been some coaching changes. But before we get to that, how y'all doing with your resolutions so far? I didn't, and don't, I didn't do any resolutions because I'm perfect. I wasn't going to say that I didn't do any resolutions because I'm perfect. I just kind of, it's not really my thing. Ugh. Just, you know, keep getting better. Keep grinding. Rise and grind, Gruden grinders, you know, all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, that's that's really current ref. Great. <laughs> Great guys. Um, what about you, Dalton? No, no resolutions myself. Uh, my daughter is back in school. So uh, oh. our the parents vacation now actually does start. So <laughs> that's actually nice. You know, sadly, sad to say, you know what I'm talking about here, though, Liz. I do. I do. School started on Monday as well. It has been great. But you, Dalton, you got to find these winter camps. They're fantastic. They take up half the day at least. Well, I'll, by the way, before we get any further here, Liz, congratulations on your best mm-hmm. host nomination. Come on, we got to, we, we got to, come on, producer. Are we not going to congratulate Liz here? Yeah, come on, Brett. Well, the whole podcast is up that, for I couldn't, award, I couldn't, right? I couldn't think of the, whatever the, the whistle, whatever that is, you guys are calling that thing. Sorry, <laughs> the, whatever that's called. The blow horn. It is um, awful. It is an awful noise. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, actually, our own Andy Barons is up for Fantasy Analyst of the Year per the FSTA. Brad Evans and myself will be vying up against each other for Host of the Year. The Yahoo Fantasy Podcast is up for Podcast of the Year. We've got a bunch of awards. Won't get fun. Mm. Um, so, yes, it's a uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We're starting 2019 off well. And um, so you guys have been to FSTA before. I've not. What's the what are these award ceremonies like? Can can when if we win the podcast, I would like to a, a win my award, so I'm going to refrain from saying anything. Well, okay, I'll just ask this: like theoretically, if the podcast wins, can I go up on the stage and like make an acceptance speech while rip roaring drunk? Like, is that a thing? Is that how it works, or is it a little more casual than that? It's also, encouraged, in fact. Oh, okay. Absolutely. It's encouraged. Yes. Cool. That is encouraged. Yes. So I can have the mic, and while I'm also accepting the award, I can say, and I've got some thoughts on all of you. <laughs> um, you do go up to accept the award, but there aren't any speeches. Oh, well, this is a ripoff. I'm not going anymore. You don't get to thank the Academy, man. I'm not going anymore. I wanted to get played off, you know, <laughs> like wrap-up music. So let, speaking of getting played off, Lots of coaches fired. I want to start with who was hired in Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury 
Is that a familiar name to anyone? No, no, it's not. Unless you're a Texas Tech fanatic because Cliff with a K was a quarterback there. He was the head coach of the team for a couple of years. He was apparently betrayed by, he he betrayed rather the USC Trojans. I know you have some thoughts on (laughs) Blow it out your ass. <laughs> Betrayed the USC Trojans. Give me a break. He was just the OC on paper, right? Like that was. Well, him. yeah. After he was fired by Texas Tech, which, by the way, it is wild that it just goes to show how different things are in the NFL now that like the, the NFL, which like turned its nose up at college coaches for decades, pretty much forever. Well, Chip Kelly was a thing. Right. That might have tainted them. By and large. Yeah. And even, I mean, before that, there were, there were examples, you know, Steve Spurry or whatever. Uh, even Nick Saban was not a really good NFL coach. So yeah, by and large, they've turned their nose up at college systems, college coaches. And now we've got a coach that got fired in the freaking Big 12, like just a few months ago. He goes to USC as the offensive coordinator. They do not allow him to interview uh, for NFL head coaching jobs, which I didn't know that was a thing that you could do that, like that you could just tell your you employee, like, someone. no, you, can, you can't a clear promotion going from college offensive coordinator to NFL head coach. So the like whole dishonorable thing. Look, life is all about getting your money when you can get it. And if somebody comes in and gives you a better offer for a better job, you take it. You don't sit around for loyalty reasons. Give me a break. If anybody has any sort of Hot take on like Cliff Kingsbury did like did USC wrong can C. go P. ahead and get, get, go ahead and get out of my mentions yeah <laughs> but also like you got a history P Carroll's a thing yeah uh, it is what it is man um, life's life's about moving up Dalton do, so I will say that I am proud of Arizona for making a less than obvious choice maybe it's the bad choice but last year's choice which was considered I guess safer didn't work out as well. I don't know. Like this is I'm imagining they're bringing in a former quarterback and quote an offensive mind to help uh, reverse the regression that Josh Rosen suffered from down the stretch last season. Dalton, what are your thoughts on this? Or is this just a like wait and see situation because there's so little known about Kingsbury? Yeah, I have friends who went to USC, so I've kind of been following this situation, but I totally agree with Matt. I can't really fault Kingsbury for taking this job. All I, I, I know is that he was, what, he had the losing record with Patrick Mahomes in the Big 12. He chose Davis Webb over Baker Mayfield, and he's friends with Sean McVay. I mean, th- those like the things that I basically <laughs> come, come across. So, so I mean, I guess, I guess it is, yes, outside the box and somewhat innovative and different and not a retread, and that's all I really complained about last week. So I'm totally fine with it, but I'd be being disingenuous if I had some sort of insight with how he's going to be. So... I mean, yeah, are all the people who like hate the Cliff Kingsbury hire, are they just, you know, falling all over themselves to praise Adam Gase as a, we'll, we'll get to him later. But yeah, I agree. It's, it's interesting. It's innovative. Now, the question about what he's going to be at the NFL level, obviously the air raid is starting to make itself into mm-hmm. the NFL. You know, Todd Munkin did a lot of that in Tampa Bay. Andy Reid kind of has a bit of a West Coast spread hybrid, the spread coast, if you will, uh, going on down there in Kansas City. So, but like King, Cliff Kingsbury ran a four wide receiver offense, which happens on less than two percent of plays at the NFL level. Also, the Cardinals do not have four wide no. receivers. <laughs> I mean, they had uh, Chad Williams out there like sucking wind right. the whole time. They, they they got maybe one and a half guys at this point. So that's going to be a big position of need if they want to do that. Also, can you even do that with this draft roster, class? this draft class, or roster requirements at the NFL level where you have to you have a limit? It's not like mm-hmm. in college; you can't just be having ten guys on the on the active roster. You know, you've got. Maybe 
maybe seven on game day. And if somebody gets hurt, it's, it, it asks a lot of questions just about what type of scheme he's going to roll out there, what type of staff he'll be able to build with no NFL connections. I well, know, it sounds like he's going to try to keep most of this. No, right? no, it sounds, he's going to keep. He kept the special teams coordinator. Yeah. And then there left, which is obviously going to, to Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. We'll talk about that, too. There, he was, I think, talking to the Texas State coach about maybe being his offensive coordinator. I don't know if that's final yet. Also, you know who else he's interviewing? Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo back in our oh! lives as the OC, which I kind of don't. I mean, I don't you hate, don't hate it, it because, again, McAdoo was, success, was a successful offensive coordinator. He was a terrible, terrible head coach. Also, that's a bit of a, it, you could mix again some of that West Coast offense with the spread air raid. Maybe you get a nice marriage. Ma- also, McAdoo just wasn't like good with public relations. No. He came like out he there just... in that big ass suit on his first yeah. day. Give me a break. I, but I think it's exciting. It remains to be seen. I, I do feel like they made this choice to help their franchise quarterback, the quarterback that they want of the future. So we'll see what it hap- what happens. And, you know, I'm all for bold choices. So from a stylistic perspective, I'm wouldn't I am not a big enough steam bag to say that like the results will be the same. But from a stylistic stylistic perspective, this should be as drastic of a change as what Jared Goff saw from year one to year two, going from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay to, you know, from like the skeletons of Mike McCoy's offense to whatever Cliff Kingsbury brings. Again, I'm not going to say the results will be the same, but from an offensive approach, you're going from the Stone Age to the modern era. You did have Byron Leftwich. But I don't think things really changed all that much. They still like ran a pretty conservative mm. unit that didn't really take advantage of their best player by and large. And we're mostly handicapped by the offensive line. And if they are going to do we said what that the, all year. Yeah. If they are yeah. going to do what the Rams did year one to year two for golf, they're gonna have to improve not just that wide receiver position, well, but the line. There's as a well. position shortage there. Yes. I mean they there are not that's why trenchmen are getting paid wild amounts of money because there just really isn't anything. And that I think also comes down to the fact that there aren't any tight tight ends of the block anymore. They're all just receivers. But this is a larger conversation and let's pull back to coaches. And real quickly with, with Kingsbury while we're here, I mean it should be said, just mention real quickly that he did say he had draft Kyler Murray number one overall. Yeah, he's once said that. So I mean you talked about Josh Rose and obviously he's going to be their future almost certainly, but that's at least worth mentioning that he did say that. And now Murray is suddenly maybe not going to join the Oakland A's. Well that's that's definitely something we need to keep an eye on. But I want to talk about Matt LaFleur, who has taken what some considered the most desirable head coaching position that was open in Green Bay. And he did it without much uh, ballyhooing in Tennessee. I mean, yes, he was creative. And yes, he got Derrick Henry going in week 14. Although I would argue that maybe Derrick Henry, well, Derrick Henry might argue that some of that was because he worked on his game and got some notes from Eddie George. I mean, that was the story, at least. You know, was this Marcus Mariota's elbow injury? Was he hamstrung by talent? Now he obviously has arguably one of the best quarterbacks playing the game. I think the interesting thing is that they went for an innovative choice, another Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan acolyte, if you will. But I just don't. I was surprised that he got a head coaching job out of a meh season as an OC. I got a lot of thoughts on this. So go uh, I, look. So I pretty tempted to just kind of throw out the results of what happened in Tennessee's I offense. I knew you were going to say that. Why did you? Why? why did because you, know you I was crushed say? so hard on this guy. Like you thought this was going to be the turnaround for Tennessee, and crushed so hard on him heading into the season Correct. that it doesn't surprise me that like this is a bit of a take lock for you. But you know who else I crushed on as a result was Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. And I have done, a, as you mentioned, I like throughout the season. 
came and went with the Titans offense. We broke up and took each other back many, many times. No surprise. Um, and I think now, so I've thought a lot about this at the end of the season, even before this LaFleur thing, uh, you know, what went wrong in Tennessee? I think it's mostly that Arcus Mariota is not very good. Um, I did not believe that going into the season, but I definitely think now he's just not a good quarterback. I think he's too robotic. And when he's not being robotic, he's hurt. Uh, he's definitely able to pop up for good games. He's a, like a mid-level starting quarterback. But my theory is that they went in like LaFleur and the Titans coaching staff went into this season wanting to be a progressive spread type offense, have Deion Lewis as the featured back. And that's a lot of what we saw early in the season. And I think about halfway through or around there, they finally realized we can't do this because this guy can't do this. The quarterback can't do this. We are going to have to be a more conservative offense that's based around our big giant running back. And I actually think that's to LaFleur's credit for adjusting adjusting midway through the season and doing something that he didn't plan on doing coming into the year. Obviously, I think from a concept perspective, it's going to want they're going to want to be an 11 personnel based offense that really does flow through the quarterback. And that's great. So I, I, I like this hire just from because, again, it does come from that really take it all the way back to Mike Shanahan coaching tree, which has just bloomed a ton of different great offenses. So I, I, overall, I really like it. I'm, I'm willing to just kind of throw out the results from last year in Tennessee and say that this is a good hire based on what I think LaFleur wants to do. Dalton, do you have any thoughts? On the Titans, I was going to say that I was going to say the same thing. I was going to completely give him a no, pass no, last convenient. year because Mar- Mar- Mariota was playing hurt. Mariota was just playing hurt, and I'm not. That's not even an excuse for Mariota. I think that's what version you're most likely okay. to see. I just want to remind both too, of you then. But the come July wasn't very good. Come July, both of you are going to have to make a choice whether or not Marcus Mariota gets a pass for 2019 because it's his fault, or you decide to give the pass to Matt Lafleur. Like there has to be some consistency the, here. The the, the I'm already telling you it's not going to be – I'm not going to be on Mariota because I think the Titans got to address the quarterback position. I don't think yeah, they can no, just – he'll be hurt again. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah right. He's going to be freaking hurt again. And this is his fifth-year option year. So mm-hmm. I think they need what they need to do with Mariota is take it year by year. Like he's not, he's not good enough to the point that you can just cut him loose, but he's definitely to the point where if they're smart and forward-thinking, they have to – draft a rookie quarterback this year. They don't year. Bortles themselves. Yeah, so exactly. So they don't Bortles themselves at the end of the year, end up committing to him. Then they're stuck with him for two years. They have dead cap situations. Because Mario is not, not bad enough that if they take a rookie quarterback this year, that that rookie will most likely be better than him, especially in like kind of a bad class. So what they need to do is keep him on the roster, but start Build ma- building alternatives. It's interesting because heading into 2018, everyone thought that LaFleur was the gift that Mariota would get. And he was in the same draft class as Jameis Winston. Now heading into 2019, it looks as though Jameis Winston is getting the best gift of his career. And that is Bruce Arians coming out of his one-year retirement to be the head coach in Tampa Bay. Of course, he's brought Todd Bowles as his DC. We know that they work together quite well in Arizona. And um, also added Byron Leftwich from Arizona as his OC, though. I mean, who's going to call plays? Yes. He's at, which is pretty wild. I would have thought Bruce would never let go of play calling duties, but I mean, we'll see. We'll yeah. see how my <laughs> week six we <laughs> get ahead. We're getting that headline. You know, Bruce Arians taking play call of duties back. Also, I think it depends how well Leftwich and Winston vibe. You know, like that's going to be a big thing. And I think th- that's really, I'm excited. Like, but my immediate thought 
was, oh my goodness, we've got the personnel. Djax probably isn't going to be back. Chris Godwin finally hashtag season. But this backfield, Peyton Barber is on a league minimum one year deal. And that means there is an opportunity to draft. Although, as we've mentioned a couple of times, the talent pool, there's no Saquon Barkley of this year, right? There's no like big, obvious pick. But I feel like remembering that Bruce Arians had a mad crush on Amir Abdullah, and was a little disappointed to get David Johnson instead, there could be an opportunity for Bryce Love here. You're not even going to mention your boy Ronald Jones and his 23 carries for 44 yards. <laughs> I was trying to skate right over that. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe he can be unlocked and unleashed, but there definitely needs to be some more bodies added to that backfield. Uh, yeah, they can't roll into the season with Barber and Jones. Uh, they'll make an addition. I would, if we, it was well, me. Actually, we know that Arians loves like older retread running backs too, a la Chris Johnson. Very true. I, if it was me, I would just take, you know, a day two, day three back and maybe sign a mid-level free agent. You know, mix yeah, we know, up. we know your thoughts on you know, running right, back right, talent. Right. But I was tweeting about this the other night and a lot of people responded with, hey, what about Le'Veon Bell goes to Tampa Bay? He's sort of in that David Johnson mold. They have a decent amount of cap space. Again, if they want to just maximize their offense with Bruce Arians, it's a thought. I don't know. I wouldn't do it, but I could see it happening and it would be a good fit. Dalton, what are your thoughts on Tampa Bay for next year? Yeah, as for their passing, I will say his downfield tendencies in the past certainly would seem to mesh well with Winston and his strong arm and the arm and the weapons there. Uh, one thing I will also say about Arians is that he won't be overly missed in the booth. He wasn't too great as bad. a TV guy, yeah. but I don't know. That, that should be interesting what they do. And I, I, uh, I am surprised myself, too, that he's relinquishing actual play calling duties, although that might also have something to do with his health, which was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, according to him, the main the main reason he stepped away just one year ago. It's going to be I think we should all we didn't mention that the FSTA Fantasy Sports Trade Association Convention is in Tampa Bay. That is where we will all be going in a couple of weeks. And that's where we will find out whether we win or lose these awards. I think the Yahoo crew should all just walk in to that convention center wearing purple Kangol hats in solidarity with in solidarity with BA. No. Oh, you don't want anyone to not see your hair. Yeah, I got to show off the hair. By the way, just while we're talking about Bruce Arians here and Deshaun Jackson, I I know all of us. Chris Godwin truthers are ready to kick DJX out of town. And, you know, I think he might be ready to go too, but he's got a high cap figure. I could see Bruce wanting to bring him back though, because he is the perfect Arians receiver. He's a downfield guy. So I don't know. Just don't totally write it in pen yet. I think he's going to have to decide who he loves more, his quarterback or his aging yappy receiver. You would think it's going to end up being the quarterback. I I would tend, if I was, you know, gone to my head, I think I would say that he's going to be gone, but I'm just saying there's a chance. Freddie Kitchens, he got the job. Greg Williams, apparently, um, Matt here's twin <laughs> per, per um, a pop sugar quiz or whatever that thing is, the twinning quiz, right. um, is out because you couldn't obviously tell the new head coach or the interim head coach that he was now a subordinate to the OC when he was playing. And well, Anyway, Freddie Kitchens got the job. That's where we're going with this one. I think it's a great fit. I love that they didn't deal with the Stefanski nonsense in Minnesota. Like, they let him stay in Minnesota. Freddie Kitchens obviously is doing great things. I still want to see Antonio Brown in the stay in the division and play with Baker Mayfield. How much more do you think this boosts the Browns' odds of making the playoffs next year based on what we saw on you know the, during the run where Kitchens was calling the plays last year? First of all, I definitely think it's good news. I was not a big big on Greg Williams joining 
uh, joining Cleveland, or sorry, staying in Cleveland. And Mayfield, 8.6 YPA, 19 touchdowns in eight games after Hugh Jackson was fired. Freddie Kitchens, I'm totally fine with. I actually think, I think the Browns were probably in their next year's favorites to win that division, actually, is what I'll say. So I'm not sure how much that moves the needle with Kitchens, but it certainly doesn't hurt. But this team, and it's going to be probably everyone is going to be on them, but rightfully so. This team is, is absolutely loaded on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and why? I, obviously, Dalton mentioned the stats. I think the relationship between Baker and Freddie Kitchens is good. That's why you keep these guys. Because look, and this is why I know it's easy to just laugh at all these coaches who just hammer their offensive coordinators like I mean the team's hammering these offensive coaches the guys who have had cups of coffee with Sean McVay you know everybody gets an interview but the reason teams are doing this is because hypothetically say they bring in a head coach they mandate that Freddie Kitchens is the offensive coach under a defensive guy in two years he's going to be gone one or two years maybe even just one like these these offensive coaches the only way to keep them in the building is to make them the head coach. That's the only way that in two years they're mm-hmm. not being poached by another team. Fair point. So that's why you just go ahead and you. it's a fast freaking rise for Freddie Kitchens, who was like the running backs coach at the beginning of the year. So, But he's been around a, a long time. He was on Arizona's staff for uh, over several I coaching staff. I think he's been in the NFL for over a decade, 11 yes. years yep. is what You're I believe. Right. And um, he also is, a again, a different choice, which is so refreshing. Maybe, you know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So this is the opposite of that. And from a fantasy point of view, Baker Mayfield from uh, the Cincinnati game after the team's bye down through the end of the year was a top 20 quarterback every single week at least and he was a top 12 quarterback three of those six games so what kitchens does for him from a fantasy perspective and you have to imagine there's going to be other offensive pieces that are added or manipulated coincided with the rise of nick chubb too absolutely yeah I think that's a fair point, too. So I think we're all excited for what uh, this this might be the most exciting turnaround a team could have heading into a new year. Unlike Vic Fangio leaving the Bears to become the head coach in Denver. I got lots of thoughts about this one. I mean, I loved Vic Fangio from San Francisco, as Dalton knows, to Chicago for the Bears defense. This guy is 60 years old. He has been around. I can just imagine him in a Red Booth Italian restaurant, like eating some pasta, drinking some martinis. And that doesn't fly in Denver. Are you kidding me? Also, like John Elway, what does he have? Does John Elway have points and M. Night Shyamalamos, whatever his last name is, new movie glass? Because that dude is fragile AF. You're going to bring your old boy Kubiak back in. I get it. He had a, a winning record with the Texans, but you're going to bring him back to handle the offense and you're going to bring in another defensive coach, a genius, by the way. And then you're going to like balk about Von Miller potentially being on the trading block and you can't Frickin' pick a quarterback, and that's your specialty. Oh, I don't know how the people wow. in Denver serve. You know what, producer Brett, do a cameo. You're a Broncos fan. Say something. I love it. I love Vic Fangio. I want to eat meatballs with him. He looks like a character in The Sopranos. Yeah. We're bringing back the Super Bowl. What was it, 2015, 2016 Super Bowl? But the roles are reversed. Kubiak as the offensive mind, but he's the offensive coordinator. And replacing Wade Phillips and acting as the head coach is Vic Fangio. Miller and Chubb were awesome as a pair this year. And they're going to be, we need some help. We don't really have many people on the secondary or or, uh, any inside linebackers. We don't really have a quarterback. 
Don't really have much of an got offensive. Of, got a lot line. of problems. But aside from that, I love it. I I will never pass up an opportunity to take shots at John Elway, so I'm I'm with you on that. However, I do kind of like the way that this sets up because if you're going to hire an a uh, defensive coach here in the year 2019, it's great that it is one of the best, if not the best, in the business yes. at in Vic Fangio, and and that's great. And I kind of like the idea of Kubiak coming down from the front office and being the offensive coordinator again because look, look, okay, I, you're already making faces at me, Liz. I get it, but but he's a proven offensive coach. No doubt about it. And he's it. his best friend. And he's his best friend, which if you're Vic, you got to feel a little uncomfortable about that, right? Like, because you know if there's any sort of power struggle, John Elway's boy is not going to lose it. But the the bonus of Kubiak, though, and I just mentioned this earlier about offensive coaches being whisked away after any sort of success, Kubiak, like Arians, left the sidelines because of health reasons. And I'm pretty sure he said that he thinks that being a coordinator is, is easier, is on, easier his health, on his yeah. health than being a head coach. So I think you have a pretty decent two-way power, like the two towers here. From like Lord a retention of the Rings. issue? Yeah, you, well, I think that these two guys, if it works, can be there a long time because you've got your CEO of the offense. You've got your CEO of the defense. I really actually kind of like the way this sets up. Now, whether it's going to be successful for Denver, another question because the roster is terrible. But it's just so like Elway continuing to keep his fingers in things, continuing to relinquish. Like he will not relinquish control. He's got his best friend calling the offense. It would be, he's still he is calling it. the offense. I, I That's like it. the only like, only piece of it when he has not proven to be a great offensive play caller himself. I mean, he can't pick talent at his own position. That's all I'm saying. I do think Vic Fangio is a great addition to the team. I'm sad the Bears a lot Bears lost him. I'm sad about a lot that had to do with the Bears. Yeah. I want to get into it. Doink this. Dalton, if you have anything to add, I'm sorry, I just hogged this whole thing. Now, it's not super inspiring for in fantasy terms. It still just kind of comes down to who's going to be the quarterback next there. But I will circle back on glass. I, I know it's going to be terrible, but I want to see it, man. I really liked Unbreakable, but I know it's just going to be a waste of money. I know, I know it's going to be awful. How do you say that director's last name? Sh- Sh- uh, Shyamalan? Shyamalan? M. Night. Right. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. We're, we're just going to say M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan. We all know. Mr. Knight. Dead people. People see dead people. Last, really quickly, though, it was surprising from a fantasy perspective. Let's say Emmanuel Sanders was within, I think he was wide receiver 23 on the oh, season. Yeah. He is going entering his 31 or 32 age season, coming off of an Achilles tear. And I do think one of the, if there was a silver lining in Denver, was that they, they discovered their young pieces. They've got... Um, your boy Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton, and so glad you list, listed them in order of who's better. <laughs> Tim Patrick. I also think with Kubiak, though, watch out for a tight end. They need a tight end who can stay healthy because Matt Lacoste and uh, Jake Butt and um, all the others did not pan hey, out. Hierman, Hierman, Hierman. That's right, Jeff Hierman. Denver needs to get a solid tight end, especially I think in a Kubiak offense. So it, that'll be interesting to watch during the draft as well. All right. Oh boy, the next one. Here the best we go. One. Adam Gase lost his job as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and got himself a job in one of the. <laughs> In one of the like more intense media circuses with the New York Jets, the AFC East is like the most incestuous division. It's by the so way, weird because like the Dolphins bump Gase goes up to New York. The next move, one of one of the next moves, might be that Brian Flores becomes the head coach of the Dolphins. The AFC East, they just can't stop uh, messing around with each other. But 
I don't, I don't I don't like Adam Gase. I think I've said this on the podcast before. I think he's I'm sure maybe he's a good offensive mind. You know, Sam, Sam Darnold FaceTimed him and then said, this is the guy. The Jets wanted to bring in Matt Rule, the head coach at Baylor, but they demanded that they build the staff for him. And he said, uh-uh, and withdrew and got out of the race. And that's what brings Gase here. I, I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of Gase, you know, who like publicly fought with his players, you know, going to be up there in the New York media market, as you with mentioned. With Robbie Anderson. Oh, yeah. No way those two guys get along. <laughs> oh. I, you can you can do you, you can play the Gase bingo of like which player will he publicly fight with? Probably Robbie Anderson. And like which young promising player will he uh, bench for some 33 year old Chris Herndon promising tight yes. end? We're definitely getting like you know Jermaine Gresham starting a game. Listen, over good him news this year. for you, Dalton. This gar- this is a guaranteed split backfield. Hell yeah, yeah. It's bad news for me. I already went down this path with Gase and yeah. Drake and even Parker, and I want the guy I want to hype the most is Robbie Anderson. So no, I do not love this match here at all. <laughs> I, I am excited for the drama that will unfold, though. I I think some of those press conferences are going to be real tweetable. You should like that for social purposes next year. Whoopee! <laughs> all right, Dirk Cotter is now the offensive coordinator in Atlanta again. Again. Also, super weird because Mike Smith was the D.C. there, or was the head coach there, became the D.C. in Tampa Bay. God, threw him under the bus. Tampa (laughs) Bay a little incestuous, too. Yeah. And then went back to uh, being the... I mean, does... Does anyone Col- care? No. I, I don't see this. You still have Julio Jones. You still know who you're. They also brought back Mike Malarkey, who was an offensive coordinator. For their tight, for their tight coach. coach job. It's like Atlanta is returning to some, I don't know, middling. Because Cotter had, was there for three years. One was very good. The other two Too were just kind of whatever. Yeah. So, yeah weird it's 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 a little strange and we can't even complain and we can't even complain about the lack of julio jones touchdowns either so yeah which what will we what will we do as a fantasy community if we can't complain about that and finally kevin stefanski stays in minnesota as the offensive coordinator some interesting things here because i i did like john d filippo and i understand that maybe his play calling i did but wait wait hold on to it because I don't believe that I was at that Rams game where he called a hell of a game. It ended up as a loss. And yes, they dropped the game uh, the week before in Buffalo. And that's inexcusable. But that's on the whole team. Like Mike Zimmer has to take responsibility oh, yeah. for that as well. Filippo called one hell of a game in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. I watched it live. It was incredible. And I feel like it was Zimmer who wanted what, like against the Jets in week eight-ish. He was like, we got to run the ball. We, we got to run the ball. And Filippo was like, no, man, yeah. we got to like air it out. We've got Diggs. We've got Thielen. We've got Rudolph. He's a mattress. Like we got to <sighs> keep keep the ball in the air. And it, I think that it was more, I feel real bad for Filippo because I think he was the total scapegoat. And Zimmer was like, I want to run the ball and run the ball. Finally, they lost in Seattle. Zimmer blamed him. And if you look at the numbers, Thielen's targets versus Cook's carries and touches after that Seattle game through the rest of the season, you can say small sample size, but Thielen's targets dropped tremendously and Cook's touches were like season highs. And you know that this Stefanski guy is going to do whatever Zimmer wants. Yeah, Zimmer, Dan Quinn, and Pete Carroll are the three coaches that are on my radar right now as the guys that are like, we need to run the ball more coming out of 2018, which I don't know how that can possibly, for, especially for Seattle, it's like extra mind-numbing. But Well, uh, especially, did it work last no, week? Right. No, it did not. Bitcha. It did not. Uh, and yeah, I think the Vikings offense kind of got a little bit better when Stefanski 
took over because I think they are so broken as a pass protection unit. But I agree with you. I'm with you. Look, the, I think they went they got better because there was cohesion because your OC wasn't fighting hate, with your yeah, head coach. Hate your head coach. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I'm like I said, all three of those guys are on my radar as like teams that want to run the ball more. And I'm, I'm not about it. All right. Yeah, for sure. That's the that's the main concern here is just how run heavy they went when this switch happened at the end of the year. So what does that do for your Dalvin Cook thoughts heading into next year, right? Like, I know there's an injury concern, but could he be drafted potentially? Is he a second round pick? Yeah, I mean, he, he really, I mean, he had some really impressive runs when he was healthy. So sure, he sounds, sounds about right to me around second round is what I was going to say. All right. So let's talk briefly. This was a thrilling conversation. I love this part of the NFL season. Like the, <laughs> I, I love the off season. Off season analysis is fun. This well, is it's, it's full of hope and you don't have to like, well, then you don't have also, like stats telling you yeah, you were wrong the next day. It's, well, that's true too. Uh, it's also different than like. This money, this guy allows eight yards per carry on the left side versus the right side. You know, that's the same old thing we do every week for fantasy. This is different. You know, it's like different juices are flowing. You know, well, I mean? well, don't get too excited because we're about to well, do some yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, so, so we're going to leave. <laughs> we're going to talk daily fantasy because we still have a game, and obviously there are four teams playing. I'm going to be at the Rams game on Saturday. So at me. If nice. you feel like it. Um, Don't me, bro. Just had to get it in since we didn't do the segment this week. Um, let's talk bargains, Dalton. I want you to start. Who's um, a low price DFS option that you think m- people playing the game might consider? Damian Williams, $17. There's no guarantee he'll be the feature back. And the Colts actually have a pretty good run defense. But man, he's really good as a receiver. And just at that price. And that offense, I mean, the over-under is 57 points, obviously, at home. Damian Williams, 17. You want to go a little bit cheaper. Ted Ginn, 14 at receiver. Chris Hogan, $11. That's the same amount of targets he got last week. And Josh Reynolds, just 10. So a lot of good, real cheap ones at wide receiver. But my main bargain this week is Damian Williams at just 17 bucks. That stood out, yeah. I like Chris Connolly at a minimum $10 versus Indianapolis. I know, Sammy I know. Sammy Watkins is back, Liz. He is back, but how healthy is he? How rusty is know. he? <laughs> what kind of snap count is he going to be on? While he was out during the regular season, Chris Connolly drew seven red zone targets, and that's over the last six games of the season. Those are red zone targets. No, they didn't translate into much, but when you look at the over-under on this game, it is the highest projected point total according to Vegas, so I I feel like these are the two teams to attack when setting your DFS lineup. So he's 10 bucks. If you need a flyer and you're an attorney, I don't think that that's a horrible play. Also, Dontrell Inman at Arrowhead. That's the problem your for boy. me is that he, he is my boy. Week 11, he found the end zone. He's only $15. He's on a three-game three scoring streak. I hate to chase touchdowns, but you know, there should be a bunch of them in this matchup. Very true. What else, uh, What other truths can you bring? Oh, you got to bring someone back from the dead? Well, so I think both the Colts' backs are bargains, especially Naheem Hines at $13, Marlon Mack at 25 relatively. Is, is, so you're not back. scared about last week's No, well, this, you have to ask yourself this question. How do you think this game is going to go? If you do think it's going to turn into a big-time shootout in Arrowhead, Naheem Hines is definitely going to play more than like nine snaps that he played last week, which was just, if if you play playoff DFS, I'm sure that was very tilting for you. I don't really feel bad for you, but it is what it is. But if you think that, I I think there's a chance that the Colts come out early and really try to slow this game down, and as much as people want to talk about the Chiefs' pass defense being bad, and it's, I, I would say it's an average unit with big holes in the secondary but they have good pass rushers they're awful 
awful as a run defense. So if the Colts can come out early and establish the run and really get Marlon Mack, who is playing hot right now. I mean, you could think whatever you want about him. They are run blocking for him well. Yeah, they have a great offensive line. They can really go and, you know, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, those guys can really go in and kick their ass, I think. So I I think that if you think the game's going to go that way, then you go with Marlon Mack, who is also still a relative bargain. So you really got to do a little soul-searching on that. I wanted to piggyback real quick. Not only the Chiefs' defense bad, but they're, according to, you know, real nerd out here, DVOA, it's the lowest run defense, according to DVOA, in the last five years oh, this God. year, this season, the Chiefs. In the last five years, they're the worst run defense. And I really like Hines, by the way. I was one of those donkeys who used him last week. Um, but that just might mean lower ownership because people like me would be frustrated because he put up that donut, as Steve Smith would say. Very true. But I think this game might shake out differently and he'll get, get some targets. But sorry, sorry, go ahead. Matt. No, I would think so. Yeah, that's, that's it's a very good thought process there for sure. And with with uh, the other bargain I like is Golden Tate at $18. Eight targets last week all came from the slot. I mean, again, talking about just the mindless matchups we talk about all year. Everybody's talking about the Saints in the slot, you know, PJ Williams, all this sort of stuff. So I think Golden Tate probably should be a pretty big part of this game. What do you, okay, I want to ask you guys, how do you think, how are you picking this game? Are you picking Eagles or Saints? Because I think if the Saints can control this game, especially with the pass rush, a lot, a lot of short passes to uh, one Golden Tate, which is exactly what they did last week. In Chicago, that's why Mar- uh, Khalil Mack, say Marlon Mack, Khalil Mack didn't make that big of an impact because they got the ball out under 2.2 seconds. That was incredible uh, for Nick Pol- for Nick Foles really getting the ball out quickly, avoiding the pass rush. And if he's going to do that, I think that's just a lot of Golden Tate here. I think that they are going that the Eagles are going to drop this game. I think the Saints are going to the Super Bowl now. That's a pretty popular thought. I could be totally wrong, but I think about Week 11's game and as you brilliantly stated, Matt, the Eagles sure didn't fly in that matchup. In fact, I said that. Yeah, you did. Uh, New Orleans was a fuzzy time for everyone. Don't worry about it. Um, But that bleeds really well, I think, into my fade because it's Alshon Jeffrey, who's at New Orleans, $21, the fifth most expensive wide receiver in our game. Last time they played, Marshawn Lattimore held him to four catches for 33 yards. I just don't want to mess with this. That was before Nick Foles, bro. Before Nick Foles, All right. the magic. Well, so where was Nick Foles last week? I mean, Alshon Jeffrey had a perfect revenge game. He could have climbed all the ladders and caught those con- congest- contested balls, and he couldn't do it late in the game. I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes magic is just beyond explanation, Liz. Mm, uh, Dalton. <laughs> can't decide whether I'm trolling or not. Do you have a fade? It doesn't bother me. <laughs> Lattimore has been playing much better for sure. Um, I, I'm fading uh, Todd Gurley, thirty-seven dollars. Yeah. I guess he's totally taken off the practice report, and maybe I'll be wrong. And in this setup, Dallas's run defense does not travel as well. But to me, just there are just so many other um, other options here to spend your money. I'm, I'm spending it on uh, Elliott, four dollars cheaper. Certainly, Kamara, five dollars cheaper. Um, or even the wide receivers like Michael Thomas. So Gurley just was such a question mark with an injury. We just don't know how much, how many snaps he's going to play at $37. He's my favorite. Yeah, you don't want to pay it for him. And according to the LA media or even the sports media in general, it's going to be a full house of Cowboys fans on Saturday. So it yes. might as well be a home game for Dallas. Someone's taking it a little personal. You know what? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I get their practice facility is in Oxnard and they're America's team, but mm-mm. Just like I will never stop anyone from taking shots at John Elway, I'll never stop anyone from taking shots at the Dallas Cowboys. So no. you, you do your thing, Liz. Um, my fade is uh, in that Saints game as well, and it's Drew Brees at $35. Not because I don't think that Drew Brees can't have a good game, but if you're going to pay up a quarterback, I think you've got to pay up for Pat Mahomes, Andrew Luck in that type of shootout game. An interesting note on the Eagles' defense, 
One, they're right up there with the Falcons in terms of receptions allowed to running backs. Liz Lowe's favorite stat. Uh, <laughs> so I think this is a big Camary game. And also yeah, they've re- really struggled on outside runs, especially especially explosive runs to the outside. They've allowed eight explosive runs uh, of 10-plus yards off the right tackle this year have the Philadelphia Eagles. So again, I think outside runs, passes to the running back. I think this is a big Camary game. Therefore, probably not as much of a Drew Brees game. So pay up for other quarterbacks, not Brees. I like it. And we like all of you who listen to us. If you have any questions, you can submit them on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. Go ahead and follow me, but don't at me. That's at Dalton Del Don. Don't do it, Producer Brett. And that's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We'll be back you next week. You may at me. I give you permission. All right, no. go ahead. At oh, I knew it was going to happen. All right, we're going to be back next week for more Daily Fantasy and off-season talk. We out. Go Rams. 